who are in need with your love and your compassion. Amen. Yeah, so I'll just invite Neville and Eli up. Um, while they're coming up, stomp. Stompers, you can head out. Okay, thanks. Good morning, everybody. So you know me, I'm Eli. Good morning, everybody. I'm Neville. My boss. <laughs> yeah, this is his evaluation, so it's like... Do you have the clicker? I've got the, the clicker. clicker. Oh, you've got the clicker? There you go. Do you want to click or am I going to click? You click for a few and I'll click for a All right, okay. So you can see we're well organised, a bit like Laurel and Hardy up here, but that's all right. <coughs> no problems. Um, first of all, thank you for allowing us to come. Um, Scripture Union has been creating this program over the last seven years. Um, came up with an idea to actually go in and do something in the high schools. And so this program has been developed to run in high schools and run in youth groups and things. And then as we developed it, we realised that actually it was something that we could do within the community and churches and that sort of stuff. So thank you for the opportunity to come and do it here because it's kind of interesting when you start talking about mental health and suicide. Uh, everyone in New Zealand always thinks about the terrible suicide rate that we have amongst our teenagers. Um, our mental health statistics show us that between the age of 12 and 25, that's the worst group. Anyone know what the second worst group is? Yeah, 55 to 70. Okay, and they're actually the second worst stats for suicide as well. So, um, yep, so it's not just the young ones that we need to sort out. It's everybody, really. It's all about being part of a community. So, um, we've created this program to try and reframe the way that we look at this topic and the way that we talk about this topic, because if we talk about this topic, it will actually be one of the tools to help us to move on from it. So, I want to dive in. Is this working? Should be on. Doesn't look like it's on, Elaine. Is it? It's probably batteries, what's the bit? Yeah. Yeah, it's batteries, that's right. That's all right. Just click through to the next slide. Can we go to the next slide? Facts of life. Okay. Now, have you ever stopped to think about some of those things that you do every single day? Have you ever stopped to think, like, oh, I do that every single day? Oh, I wonder how many times I would do that throughout my whole life. A little bit of a scary thought, isn't it? How many people always have a coffee first thing in the morning when they get up? Oh, yeah. How many people have that cup of tea? Oh, look, yeah, that's oh, good, good to see. You know, if you stopped and actually added that up, how many times you've boiled the kettle? That'd be a bit scary, wouldn't it? So, so the, this dude decided that he'd figure out how many times we did certain things in the average lifespan of 70 years. Oh, there you go. So, you would actually spend uh, 20 years and three months asleep. I wish I spent that long asleep, but they're right. <laughs> um, Ten years and five months watching um, TV or some sort of screen. Um, <coughs> you can tell we do with teenagers. You would fart 402,000 times. Uh, you would eat and drink for the equivalent of about seven years and six months. Man, that'd be a binge, wouldn't it? Gosh. Um, now, women spend one year of their lives deciding what to wear. <laughs> But the funny thing is that the average male spends one year of their life staring at women. So that's why 
That's why women spend so much time figuring out what to wear. Okay, so. Um, you have five years and nine months in some form of transportation. Um, you'll pick your nose, 102, how do they count that? I don't even know, how, you, how do you do that? Like, how do you find that stat out? That's just the scary one. You'll spend 70% of your waking life in front of some sort of digital media. Wow, that's a lot, eh? Um, you'll have 18 months waiting in line, six months of which will be at red lights. Unless you live somewhere like China, because there's no such thing as a line in China, you just congregate and you push your way to the front. Has anyone ever been to China? It's just awesome. I love it, especially when you're my size and they're all this size, you just kind of like walk yourself through the thing. But when you first get there and you'll be the polite English person and you stand at the back, you wonder why you've been standing there trying to get to the counter at McDonald's and you've already been there for 25 minutes and you haven't got any closer. It's because they all just cut in and make their way to the front. Now, you will spend 92 days sitting on the toilet. Golly gosh. It's why I reckon we should have more devices in the bathroom so that we can do many more things while we're sitting on the toilet. Although, I do. there you go, see? The downside of that is you probably spend longer sitting on the toilet because you're doing something else while you're there. So, never mind. <clears throat> All right. So, as you can see, there are lots of things in our lives that we do on a regular basis. And the funny thing is, is we often think about how we feel more times than any of those things and we don't even stop to realise it. So, why are we here today? Well, the latest stats actually show that one in three people in New Zealand over the age of 12 are suffering from some form of mental health issues. That's a large statistic. Now that's gone up since COVID to those figures. It was one in five, now it's one in three. We're here because we're kind of tired of being the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff and picking up the pieces and all those sorts of things. And we don't just want to stand by anymore and do nothing. We've decided that we want to do something. And the interesting thing is, it's quite simple, the things that we can do. So we want to have conversations about mental health and suicide. And we want you to realise that you are the best person to help solve this problem. Okay, we often think it's someone else's problem, but the fact of the matter is, is that you are the best person to help start to fix this problem. In scripture, it says, God saw all that he made, and it was very good. So if we believe that scripture, then we should be passionate about changing the statistics of mental health and suicide in our country. And it's interesting that we live in an amazing country like New Zealand, Oh. And the people of the land have this saying, he aha te mea nui o te ao, he tangata, he tangata, he tangata. What is the most important thing in the world? It's the people, it's the people, it's the people. I kind of see that that very easily lines up with Genesis 1 there. God saw all that he made and it was very good. So, let's do something about it. So this program is a cooperative approach. It's um, looking at the way that we can work together. It's not just one person's job, it's our whole community's job to respond to the mental health issues and things. So, normally we would get you running around doing all sorts of things. We are gonna get you up and about, but we're not gonna have you running around quite so much because we haven't got as much time here today as we normally have in a high school. So, jump up on your feet. 
All right. Just turn to somebody that's close to you to start off with and give them a high five. There you go. Nice and simple. There you are. Nice and easy. Just one person. Just one person. You can only yep. do one just, person. Just, just one person. Not everybody. One person. Dang, Christians, they always get carried away. It's like, you know. Okay, right. Now, I want you to think about this. You're going to do a low five, but I want you to do it with somebody that you know, but maybe you haven't spoken to for a little while. Okay? Find a low five person. Go for it. Yeah. Just one person. Just one person, yep. One low five person. <laughs> I can see my dad just going around. I know. <laughs> awesome. All right. <clears throat> Okay, everyone got one? Yeah, you all got a low five person? Good. All right, now we're really going to put the pressure on you. See how honest you are. Now you're going to do a, like this, fist pump. Okay. Now I want you to do a fist pump with a person that maybe you don't know at all. <laughs> or you haven't really spoken to for a long, long, <laughs> long, long time. Oh. There we go. I don't know you. There we go. There we are. All right. That was easy. Easy for me to find someone to do a fist bump with. Right. Cool. You got partners? All right. Cool. That's going to come in handy later on. So remember who you did the high five with and the low five and the fist bump. Okay? Remember who that person was? And with the high five, the first person you high five, not the other 25 that you did after that. Okay? All right. Okay. Are we good? Yeah. Okay, you can have a seat. Now, you're probably wondering what we're not going to be doing. Well, we're actually not here to turn you into mental health professionals, okay? That would take a much longer time than what we've got this morning. Um, after today, um, you know, after you've done this training, it doesn't mean that one of your friends who's struggling with mental health is going to come and shift into your house, okay? Well, you might decide that it's a good place for them to be, but that's not the aim of the program. We don't want to create a burden for you to have to respond to daily. We want this to become just something that's part of your everyday life. We're certainly not telling you how to harm yourself. That's not what this program's all about. We're not giving any glory to that whatsoever. And we are certainly not undervaluing the presence of professionals. In fact, this program keeps pointing you back to the fact that this is a community thing and we have professionals in our community and it's about time that we learnt who they are and we use them. Okay? Cool. So what are we doing? I have no idea. But, um, <laughs> right. Basically, we just want to give an opportunity for you to have some hope. We want to create a village that looks after each other. I mean, if you look in the book of Acts and the first church, it talks about the fact that they looked after one another. They came together and they used their resources to help those that were in need. And that's what we want to do around mental health and suicide is create a community that is a safe place. We want to offer you tools to help you to re reframe your future and not beat yourself up about the past. So this isn't giving you some tools where you can look back and say, oh, I should have done that in the past. Don't want you to worry about that. The past is the past. We want you to actually take these tools and go, oh, now I can reshape what I would do in the future. That makes sense to everybody? Good. All right. Now, this is what we call challenge by choice. Now, we understand that when you talk about these topics, we all sit in different places, and we might have different memories and experiences and all those sorts of things. 
So today, if some of the stuff that we're talking about or some of the conversations that you're having kind of make you feel uncomfortable and you just kind of think, oh, that's getting a bit too close for me or a bit much for me, you have the opportunity to step out for a bit. Now, have we got some people here that they can connect with? Yes, Craig and Joyce. Craig and Joyce. Okay. Yep. So if you're kind of feeling that, just kind of out of your seat, come grab them, just tap them on the shoulder. They'll just take you out and spend a little bit of time with you and that sort of things, okay? We'd love you to be able to step out and do that, get yourself back together again so that you can then come back in and join us for the rest of it, okay? But, you know, there can be all sorts of things that could cause that to happen. I mean, I buried my mum only a few weeks ago, you know? And so when I was thinking about coming to do this, I was thinking, oh, what's it going to be like for me to think about those sorts of things and all the emotions and, and all that sort of stuff? So... You know, I might have to step out for a moment and just leave it up to Eli. So, you know, wherever you're at, we want to meet you in that space. Okay? Everyone happy with that? Yep. Okay. All right. Now, so often, our response has actually been to be the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. And then we thought, well, actually, we should just build a fence at the top of the cliff to stop people from going over the edge. But then we thought, well, actually... If we really wanted to be serious about this, maybe we should build a wall. And maybe we should build the wall a long way from the edge of the cliff. So no one even has to worry about thinking about the edge of the cliff at all. And maybe that wall could be constructed of all of us. All of us here, all the people in your community that are equipped to help people around mental health and suicide. Imagine creating a space where you create this barrier to stop people from getting too close to the edge. Imagine what life would be like if that's how we worked. Now, it's interesting because I had a conversation with a person and they didn't think that Scripture really talked much about suicide, but it does. And this is one of our ones that we love to hold on to in this program, so this is an act, um, Peter and them are in jail, the ground is shaken, all the doors are flowing open you know, into all the, all the cells and things, and the jailer wakes up, saw that the prison doors were wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped, but Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Now imagine if that was the cry of the church to your local community. Do not harm yourself because we're all here. We're all here for you. We're all here to help you. We're all here to walk with you. We're all here to cry with you and to laugh with you. Imagine if that was your catch cry. What difference could that make in your community? Do not harm yourself for we are all here. The moment you say yes... This is when we step in and solve probably one of the biggest questions that someone that is dealing with suicidal idolisation or mental health has. When we step up and stand in the gap and say we are here for you. Because most of the time they just need a friend or someone to come and listen to them. And so, yeah, we're going to start walking through it now and we're going to walk through an acronym um, about that. So yeah, finding someone to hear them. 
We all want to be like Paul and the jailer. And I love this verse here. Because it shows the picture of the church practicing manakitanga, caring and taking and looking after someone else's mana. We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we weep with those who weep. It's about love and action. It's about journeying the good and the bad of life together. It's about the knowledge that no matter how I feel or another person feels, someone is there keeping vigil, meaning they are never alone. And when we look at the body, the church, the bride, the village, this is what we want to be out there doing. We want to be taking care of each other, creating that wall that protects us from the cliff. So here's the acronym we work with, TALK. The four foundation stones of Apopo. So the TALK is, and as we look into it, is going to be coming from the person who is actually feeling um, or going through that mental health or suicide idolization. So the first one, T, I need to tell someone about my mental health and well-being and all thoughts of suicide in the right environment. So someone that is struggling, they need to first tell someone. So T, talk, tell. I need to ask, oh, I, I need someone to ask me about my mental well-being and all thoughts of suicide. Ask. Ask the right questions. So we're going to look at that today. How do you talk to someone? If you're worried about someone or you're concerned about a situation, how do you bring up, how do you approach them? Um, so yeah, first, so T, tell. A, ask. And then L, I need someone to listen to me, to my thoughts and my feelings. How to be a good listener which is really hard. Um, and we're going to give you some really good um, ideas around how to do that. But this is something we really need to start practicing, just how to listen to people. And then K, keeping safe. I need help keeping safe from suicide. So once we've gone through, we've talked, oh, someone's told us that they're struggling, We've started to talk about it with them, ask them questions, and listen to them. Let's make a plan. Let's work out a way to keep you safe and look after you. And that doesn't fall on just one person's shoulders, okay? This is all of us standing in union, arms bound together, creating a wall, protecting that person. And everyone can help regardless of qualification. This is what we say to teenagers. It's quite often teenagers will bring this up with other teenagers. And so here's your pathway to create a way to get that person um, into a safe space. So it doesn't matter if you've done many years counselling or you haven't even talked to someone before, which I'm sure you probably have, but everyone can practice this. And um, yeah, 
and we're not trying to put down those that are getting qualifications or have qualifications. We're just going to be the that um, first first person on the scene, like the first aid. Um, you know, work do work make you go to a CPR training quite often. That's what we're doing. This is what this is about. So if you find someone on the ground and they need CPR, you can do it for them and then call the ambulance and do all the other things that needs to happen. All right. Chester Bennington. Who knows that person? Lincoln Park? Yeah. So I started listening to him when I was quite young. Um, I was a fan of Lincoln Park. They started right when I was about eight or nine. Um, I started to make it big and made it over here at least. Um, and... Um, who knows the story of Chester? Who knows what's happened to him? He took his life a few years ago. Six years ago. Um, but looking at his uh, history, listening to his songs, um, you can see that his music was quite often a cry for help. And this is, comes from one of his songs. The, I think it's The Light Within, I think, this one from. Um, but it says, there are things that we can have, but we can't keep. So we can have bad thoughts. We can struggle and we can go through stuff, but we can't hold on to it and keep it. We need to let it go. We need to talk to someone. We need to tell. And the reality is, having destructive thoughts doesn't make you weird or abnormal. Right? but you cannot keep those to yourself. Mental health, it can be hereditary, but it can also not be. Suicidal idealization can happen to anybody here in this room through different circumstances and struggles. At any moment, one of us is at risk. Okay? People that seem really strong and put together can go through this. And that doesn't make them any less human, abnormal, or anything like that. So I just want to make that really clear to you. And so we need to play, create a place of love, of a, a safe space for them to be able to be honest. Honest without fear of judgment. So... Um, and we asked some kids to finish these sentences. I wish people knew, or I don't think people understand that. So this was an anonymous questionnaire for kids to for teens to answer. What is actually going through my head? Without the fear of judgment. And so I'm going to play them through soon. And I want to see, have you ever thought this maybe? Do any of these resonate with you? Um, or have you heard these before, these statements? Some of those are quite sobering. In fact, most of them are. And these are the thoughts that go through most of our teenagers' heads. 
And I wonder what goes for our men's heads that are between 55 and 70. And in their space when they're struggling. People consider suicide for many reasons, but they all come down to two, a loss of hope and a loss of social connection. And um, that's from Dr. David Litz, MD. Um, But the only change I'd make there is meaningful social connection, actual deep, actual people really talking to who you are. And that's, that loss of hope is a really scary thing. That darkness at the end of the tunnel where you can't see the light and you can't feel like you can crawl out. This is where we need to step in and fill that um, void. So, we've got a game. Am I on? Oh, yeah. Okay, right. <clears throat> what I want you to do is find the person that you did the high five with. So hopefully they're just like sitting right beside you. <clears throat> now, what you're going to do with that person is you need to think of four things that you can share with them. That's going to be funny if it's a spouse or something rather. I've done this before and it did start a few arguments, so hopefully we won't do that today. Right, <clears throat> right, okay. So you're going to talk to that person. You're going to think of four things. They're going to think of four things that they can share with you that they think that you might not know about them. You know, so like I might say to Eli, uh, Eli, uh, when I was 17, I actually beat the New Zealand disco champion in a competition. Okay? Oh, really? And, and Eli will go, oh, really? Okay? So we want to hear lots of oh, really's going on. So when the person shares that thing, you go, oh, really? And then let them have a turn. Do you reckon you can do that? Just four things, okay? So find your high five person, share those four things, hear their four things. Go for it. Make sure that you're just sharing that one thing and then not asking questions about it. I know we all want to find out all the answers to their things. Just share the thing and let them share their thing. Shouldn't take too long. Alrighty. Okay. Oh, where's the clicker? I suppose we have. Okay. Hopefully, you found out something uh, you didn't know about that person. You did. Oh, good. And um, my wife and I, we actually do marriage counselling and um, and that sort of things, and we actually use this uh, when we're doing marriage counselling. Yeah. Because often for the people that are sitting there in front of us uh, because things aren't going well in their marriage, it's because they haven't been open enough to share with one another. Communication is everything. And that's what we're trying to get across here is that it's actually all about communication. Because I'd hope that if I picked anybody out of the audience and I said, can you tell me the four things that that person shared with you, you'd be able to tell me all four things, correct? There's a few worried-looking people sitting there, isn't there? So, right, okay. Yeah, no one's volunteering. All right. When we do this at a high school, we actually use pool noodles, which we've cut up into things, and the kids have to share as many things as possible, and then they slide the pool noodles in between their hands like that. 
and they're trying to get as many as they can, okay? And so the ones that end up with these huge ones think they're really cool, and then you say, oh, awesome, you'll be good. Come out the front here. Can you share all the ones that your friend just shared with you? Because it's not just about them telling you, it's about you listening, okay? All right. Is it working? Okay. Just think about it. What does a desperate person look like? You know, we often think someone who's desperate enough to take their own life, what do they look like? Do they look like this? Sometimes. Sometimes they look like... Those photos were all taken just a few days before each of those famous people took their own lives. Sometimes they look just like this in their selfie. Sometimes they look like this. It's disappeared. There they go. Our young people just sitting in their classrooms. See, often there can be outward signs and sometimes there's not. Sometimes the things that you see are the things that they're putting on so that you think things are going well. So just remember, it's about looking and listening. So what is suicidal desperation, or ideation nowadays they call? There's three key aspects. The person feels trapped, they feel alone, and they feel in pain. It's the stuff that they don't speak about. It's the things that they hold inside are the things that cause the biggest problem. It's the thing that isolates them from everybody else. It's those thoughts that make you draw back and not connect. And suicidal thinking is actually more common than you may think. In fact, they've done a study that in the average day, the average person has one negative thought about them being alive every single day. But often it's just like, oh, I'm useless. Why am I here? Oh, that's stupid. And away you go. But when there's all sorts of other things going on in your life and you have that thought, that's when it catches hold and you don't just dismiss it. And then it builds and it builds and it builds. Which is why we need to create a community where it's safe for you to share those thoughts. Okay, have a look. Tell the person beside you, if you've got someone beside you, what do you see in that picture? Hands up, who saw the face of Mel Gibson? Oh, only a few people? Okay. How many people saw the little boy doing the painting? And how many people saw neither of those? Oh, no, sorry. Okay, that's right. <laughs> okay, so when you actually come to look at it, we all actually see things differently. 
So some of you, when you first looked at that, you didn't see the little boy at all. You just saw the face that is created by all the items that are in the picture. Some of you are still struggling to see the face. And some of you are actually still struggling going, what little boy? But others of you, as soon as it came up, you saw the little boy, you saw him with his, with his easel and he's painting and he's painting the little hut off to the left and all those sorts of things. We all see the world differently and we all see what's going on around us differently. And what we want to do is actually become much more aware so that we can look at things and not just take it the way that we look at it once. Maybe we should actually be listening to the Holy Spirit and when we look at something and think, does everything all right there? Maybe take another look. Look at it in a different way. All right. Oh, look, you're a good bunch, eh? You reckon you can do a game really quickly? All right, so stand up and try and get into groups of about 10, standing in a circle, okay? Make a bit of space wherever you can. Groups of 10. Eli's going to come and give one person in each group a ball. One ball, okay? Yeah, about 10 people. It doesn't matter if there's a few more of you. Now, while you're getting into your group, just make sure that you know everybody's names. Everybody introduce yourself so you know everybody's name in your group. Quick. Yep, introduce yourselves. Tell, you, tell everyone what your name is. Eli's coming with the ball. Okay, good news for the person that's uh, got the ball. Uh, you're the team leader now, so there you go. Um, <laughs> All right, have everybody got a ball yet? Oh, no. Is there any groups without a ball? Oh, over here. Okay. Eli, over here. All right. Now, <clears throat> all right, so I need you to listen as intently to these instructions as you, as you do when Craig is preaching, okay? There you go. So we should get this game done really quickly. <laughs> all right. So the person with the ball, hold it up. You're the team leader. Woohoo! Okay. Now, the ball is going to start with your team leader. Now, initially, they are going to throw the ball to someone else in the team who cannot be standing on either side of them. Okay? And they're going to throw the ball to that person. So if Eli was across the thing, I would throw the ball and go, Eli, and he'd catch it. Okay? And then Eli would throw it to someone else and say their name. Okay? All right. So we're going to let you have a little bit of a practice first. Okay, so just do it nice and quietly. It's a very light ball, so think about how you're throwing it. Okay, so you're going to throw it across to the person, say their name, then they're going to throw it to someone else and saying their name. And the last person to get it, hang on, the last rule, the last person to end up with the ball in their hand is your team leader. So the person that starts it must be the last person to receive it, and you can only receive the ball once. Okay. All right. So everybody gets the ball once, and the team leader is the last person to get it. Ready? Away you go. Oh, good. Okay, we've got one group all the way around. That's good. 
Hold your ball up if you managed to get all the way around your group. Yep, we've got one group so far. Oh, yep, down there. Good. Oh, yeah, yep, excellent. How we doing? Oh, yep, over there. Good. Has everyone managed to do it? You all got it? Okay, what are you going to do this time? And just please make it easy on yourself. Probably the easiest thing to do is just do exactly what you just did. We want you to try and do it as fast as you possibly can. Okay, so when I say go, you're going to go for it as quickly as you can. Don't forget to say the person's name. Are you ready? Set. Go. Cool. All right. Okay, you did well. You did well. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. All right. This time, trying to make it faster, let's do it. And you don't have to say the person's name, but you still can't pass it to the person on either side of you. Okay? You ready? I know some groups are slightly smaller than others. So when it gets back to your leader, I want the leader to put their hand up as quickly as they can. All right? Are you ready? So you don't have to say the person's name, but it still has to... Go around. Ready, set, go. Keep looking, Eli. See who's going to win. Over there. Over there. There. Cool. Awesome. Okay, the youngsters over here won that round, so well done. There you go. All right, now, okay, so we're going to change it up a little bit. So, I'm now going to remove the rule that you can't pass the ball to the person beside you. Okay? All right, so remember, every person's got to have the ball and only once. Okay? But you now can pass it to the person that's beside you. So you decide what you do. Have a little quick chat if you want to. I don't mind. All right? Okay, we're ready? Yep. Set. Go. Ooh, wow, okay. All right. Okay, we're going to change the rule once more. Now listen to this one carefully. The ball now has to touch each person's hand once only, but it doesn't necessarily have to leave your leader's hand. Okay, now, the only thing is, it can only be touching one person's hand at a time. Okay? All right, ready? Set. Go. Oh, 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 oh. Wow, that was really quick. Oh, well done, well done. Okay, grab a seat, grab a seat. We won't go too much further. We can go. What are you up to? Are you going to debrief it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're going to debrief the game? Yep. Yep. Oh, I don't need a mic. Oh. <laughs> All right. So that's a really cool game. I hope it got you a little bit up and moving, but we're back on the same slide before. There are things that we can have, but we can't keep. We can have these ideas. 
We can go through these hard times and struggle, but we can't hold on to it. And when we put that within the context of that game, what happened? When we started to take away rules, did it get harder or easier? Time went down. Now, for me, this is really poignant and potent because it was the rules when I was struggling that made me feel even more trapped and struggle. It was the rules of, men don't talk about this stuff. It's the rules of, what if I lost my job because of opening up about these things? Now we need to cut through those rules and say, they don't actually serve us. We're actually putting up roadblocks and making people feel isolated. So that's what we want to create here at Agora, as a village, as a church, to break down these rules and just actually get on with it. Let's just get on and help people. Let's be honest and talk. If you're struggling, go see Craig or one of the elders. So why, friends, don't ask or tell? Too much shame. What do I say? What if they tell me to harden up? I have no energy. I'm exhausted. They won't listen. I will be judged. I don't want to hurt my whānau by letting them down. It's a sign of weakness. They will try and fix me, and I, I don't want to be fixed. I will get in trouble. And I love that one there. They'll tell me to harden up. Me and Josh were joking about that down the back when we were putting the um, mic cord for the headset down the back and we're talking about how cold it is. In Kiwi culture, we are so quick to say, harden up. Or if you're my dad, take a concrete pill and get hard. But when it comes to mental health, when it comes to these things, that isn't an answer. And we need to dispel that straight away. Because it's not, a, it's not about your strength. In fact, being able to open up is you being hard and strong because you're willing to actually step out and reach out to people. So here's a funny video. Oh, got volume? Sorry, I'll start it again. Can you get it to play back, Dempsey? Um, it's not about the nail in the head. So my process of becoming a counsellor, and this is probably one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn so far, is actually, I can talk about content with Tangata Whaiora all the time. Content, content, content. Different issues in their life, different problems raising up. And I can tell that it's not hard. You can sit with me and I'll come up with 101 solutions within five minutes. But it's not actually about those solutions. The issues quite often run much deeper 
and people just need you to listen. And the creation of strategies and to work through is a lot more difficult than just a simple pulling of the nail out. Because when it comes to mental health, as soon as you pull the nail out, usually another one will come straight back in. If someone that's depressed and they don't want to get out of bed and clean the house and do things, it might seem simple for you to go and say, right, you need to write a list out and you start doing this, this, this and this. And sure, that might help, but it's not actually dealing with the root cause and the root problem. Okay? So for us, we don't need to deal with the content. We don't need to deal with the nail in the head. We need to just actually sit and listen, which is hard sometimes. You understand that? All right. So back into the talk acronym, and we're starting off with T, to tell. I need to openly tell someone about my thoughts of suicide. And we've already looked at how hard that can be. What are the roadblocks that are put in place to actually open up and tell someone about those thoughts? I would like to tell several people. Quite often, when you're in this space, you'd like to talk to a few people and be open, but you're too scared to. I am aware that I may be cautious in saying it as openly as I want to, and I will be watching for reactions. So these are the ideas that someone that is in this space and is in this place that wants to tell someone about that, to talk about how they're actually feeling. So we need to start to think about what our reaction is and how we can be in a place to be told. Right, another funny video for you. Who done it? Oh. So, who noticed the 21 changes that happened within that video? Who noticed one change? Or oh, Grant's on to it. Who noticed two? Three? Four? Nah, okay. We've got one keen-eyed guy down the back, but I'm going to play it again. And this time, watch. All right, did we see? How many did we see? Five? Who got five? Six? We got seven down the back? Seven? Okay, all right, I'm going to play it again. And this is uh, behind the scenes. So it's easy to miss things when you're not looking for it. And to be honest, when someone actually wants to tell you or open up or they're struggling, they want to bring this stuff up because they're really unsure they're struggling and most of the time they actually don't want to do it and they are crying out for help. So it's our responsibility to remain observant to those around us and have these conversations. 
And I want you to think, who would you tell if you needed to? Does someone come to mind? I mean, are you showing signs right now? I see you. When we watch and we're observant and we see people around us and we see that they're struggling and we open the gateway to a conversation, that's what we say. I see you. And those thoughts, those pressures of feeling alone, disconnected, trapped, bound in by the rules start to break away. Because someone sees you, sees that you're struggling, sees that it's hard. Love God, love people, repeat. This is what we're called to. It's that simple. Five words. Love God and love people. Right, so we're just going to take a moment now just to stand up and stretch. Um, We're going to keep going. It's quite a bit of content to get through, but um, we're doing well. So just if you want to, just etu. Crack your back, snap your neck. Yeah, I'm good. You were jumping in at this point, weren't you? Lost me? Oh, okay, there we go. All right, cool. You hanging in there? Okay, cool. All right, now, when people are struggling with their mental health and particularly with suicidal thoughts and things, a lot of people think that they just uh, box it all up and keep it inside and don't want anyone to know, but that's actually not the case. So what we're going to have a look at now is we're going to look at the signs and the signals that people will give to us uh, when they're struggling with their mental health and suicidal ideation. So you can see it often in their actions. You'll see it sometimes in the words that they use, um, maybe in their physical appearance um, and their feelings, their emotions, um, that sorts of things. So when you stop to think about it, I want you to start thinking, what might be some of the sort of actions that you might notice when somebody's actually struggling with their their mental health and with thoughts of suicide? What was that? Withdrawing, yep, that could be an action. They might withdraw from things, yep. Let's have a look. kind of interesting the simple things that people actually do. Um, we actually had a young girl who had uh, done this course uh, and that sort of things and um, about a week after she'd done this course, one of her best friends turned up on her doorstep on a Friday night. Uh, no reason for her to come past. She came past and she said, oh, she said, I was just thinking of you earlier today. You're my best friend. And this is one of my most favourite toys from when I was a kid. And I just wanted to give this to you to show you how much my friendship, your friendship means to me. And as her friend left, her friend said the saying to her, look after yourself always. Now, this girl knew that her friend never gave anything away. 
nothing whatsoever. So she actually contacted one of her other friends and her friend said, yeah, she was at my place just a little while ago and she gave me this. So they jumped on the phone, called her mum, and mum says, oh, I have no idea where she is. So mum called the police. The police got into action and they found her. And they found her down by the beach and she was in a really bad space. In fact, she had made a plan about ending her own life. Now her friend contacted us and said, thank you so much for coming and doing that course because I probably would have missed that completely. Okay? So it can be simple things that we actually just think, oh, that's kind of sweet. But there's often actions that go with the feelings. Words. Just can't take it anymore. Probably all said that at times, but what else does it go with? See, often these things all go together. There'll be some actions, there'll be some words, and you start to piece all the bits together. It's like that video that you're watching. Once you knew you were supposed to look for things that were changing, you noticed some of the changes. Their physical appearance. Maybe there's somebody that's always been impeccably dressed and all of a sudden they don't seem to be caring about it anymore. Maybe they all of a sudden they've lost their appetite or maybe they've just put on a whole lot of weight and they're a person that's more worried about you know, their weight and all those sorts of things. There's often things in our physical side of things that show that we're struggling. And then your feelings. That person that always seems to be cool, calm and everything and all of a sudden they're getting angry about everything. Or they seem to be just feeling sad all the time or feeling hopeless all the time and those sorts of things. You can probably think of many, many more under those headings. And the thing is, we can think about those things, but how often do we actually look for them? How often do we notice the people around us are actually changing their behaviours and creating signals? You see... Those things are out there because they want you to notice it and to ask them how they're doing. They want you to actually open up the conversation so that they get the opportunity to tell you what they're thinking. They're saying, I need someone to ask me. They want you to ask them very directly and clearly and as soon as you can. You see, if I'm worried about a friend of mine and I think they might be in a desperate place, I'm going to ask them straight up about being in that desperate place. No point in just messing around and trying to have fluffy conversations if you're really worried about your friend or your family member or your community member that you're having this conversation with or you're noticing the changes in. Be straight up. Ask the questions. Give them the chance to be able to speak and to unload. That's all you need. This topic's something I'm really passionate about because as a 17-year-old, that was me looking for somebody to notice the flags that I was waving in the air just to ask me, and nobody ever did. 
Nobody ever did. Oh, do we have volume? Oh, there you go. Didn't know you were going to get dating advice when you came this morning, did you? There you go. But it's as simple as that. The questions that we ask. So often, we actually ask questions not wanting the answer. Now, they did this survey about um, how people in different countries interact with each other. <sighs> New Zealand comes up as being the only country that when you get asked the question, how are you doing today? we tend to just give a one or two word answer. Oh, fine, thanks. Sweet as. All good. You go other places in the world and you ask somebody that question, you better be prepared to stand still for a while because they'll tell you how their day's going. And so we've created this culture in our country which we have to break these rules where we actually start, we actually even turn open-ended questions into closed questions. So we need to learn to talk to one another again and make sure that we're opening up using words like how and when and where and why and who and what. And if they don't give you a full answer, ask again. It's about connecting. It's about giving that person the opportunity to express themselves and say more. But we don't tend to do that. Because often, A, we don't want to interrupt in that person's day or we're a little bit worried about, you know, getting too close or getting too personal or those sorts of things. Or we're too busy. Too busy. You know, I hear that all the time. Oh, no, I can't do that because I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Well, we need to stop being too busy because that's not helping our mental health and it's not helping our suicidal figures either. So we need to think about how we can engage with one another and ask those questions and have a conversation. Can you imagine what it would be like if you actually went and you sat down, and this is what we challenge the young people with, you sat down with someone at a cafe or a McDonald's or something like that and you didn't have your phone in your hand. And you actually took the time to ask a question. Now it's really interesting because the older generation often thinks, oh, these youngsters, they have their phones all the time and that sort of stuff. Well, I was in a cafe the other day and, of course, with school holidays and that sort of things. And it was amazing how many of the grandmas and grandpas that had their kids on the holidays who were sitting there at the tables were busy on their own phones. So don't just think it's the youngsters that do it. We need to be asking these sorts of questions. Because you imagine, if you start asking the little ones these questions, they get used to having open-ended questions, then that's going to be the norm for them, and they're going to do it with each other. And they'll grow up asking and answering questions which will benefit their mental health. All right. Oh, whoops. Okay. So, before... Let's going to see how good your memories are. A person shared with you four things about their life. And you went, oh, really? I want you to try and remember one of those things and quickly turn to the person and ask them some open-ended questions that might give you more of the backstory to the thing that they shared with you. Okay? Now, I'm going to say go, and you've got two minutes, and when I say change, then it's the other person's turn to do the same thing. Okay? You ready? Go. You're up next. 
next time. So, when we go into the talk uh, acronym again, we're now at listen. So we need to ask open-ended questions, and then we need to listen. Um, and that video is great, because it really just represents the difference between not listening to someone and just jumping and going off topic, which if you ask my wife, I'm pretty good at. So, from the point of view of someone that is um, struggling, I hope you are a good listener. I hope you will listen to what I need to say, not what you might like me to say. So don't try and predict the future or predict what they're going to say or try and bend what they're saying to your framework or the way you think. I have not really talked to anyone about suicide. If you're opening up to you for the first time, they're in a really vulnerable state. And so for you, as the person coming in to help, you need to listen well. You need to sit and um, take in what they're saying. I need to clear my thoughts by talking through them. You're, it's not your role to do the talking. You're there to do the listening, asking questions, probing, trying to get the picture. And um, it's not up here, but when we're listening, we really want to try and manage our facial expressions and emotions. We don't want us to come off as judge, uh, judging, come across shocked, or sitting there with a big smile, which sounds awkward, funny, but sometimes when you're stuck in those situations and you're dealing with hard topics, your first reaction is actually to smile. All right, so you just got to think about what our body language is as a part of listening. Another video for you. That's quite a hard video to stomach, actually, sometimes. But um, we need to be bold. When we're standing in the gap, when we're trying to create that wall for someone, we need to be bold and actually say, I'm concerned, and start to ask questions. And sometimes they will blow you off like that. But he didn't allow that person to do it. He continued to... to um, communicate to them, to ask, to speak to them. Um, and it's okay if they do um, if they do walk away in that moment and they might just need space. That's okay. All right? We don't stop watching them and looking after them, but we do allow them to think through that and have that space because there could be another opportunity to bring it up, okay? Don't think that you just have to save them right then and there. And we'll get into some other stuff. Anyway, so simple, open-ended questions. Hey, 
how come I haven't seen you at football training in a while? Hey, you seem to be really unhappy at work for a while now. Why is that? Hey, why are you giving away a lot of your stuff? Hey, I've noticed some things about, what's, about you. What's changed? When did you start to think like that? All real simple and great open-ended questions. And as we continue to move through, um, we were going to do another game, but just for the sake of time, we're not going to do it. But from leaving here, have a think. What are some questions you could ask? What are some ways you can approach someone to bring up this topic and raise it with them? Because it's important for them to know that I see you and I hear you. That you're actually there to support them. Things to remember in your conversations. Keep calm and really listen to what they're saying. Try not to judge, even if you don't totally get it or agree with everything. No, it's okay not to have all the answers. You can look for those together later. Focus on affirmations more than answers. Don't assume they want your advice. Just acknowledge things are a bit of a mess right now and try to make them feel heard. And don't feel like you need to handle the situation on your own. Put your heads together and figure out who else should be in the support crew. All right? So sit with someone, bridge the conversation, and work towards creating a plan um, with other people involved, getting the church involved, you know, um, talking to one of the elders or Craig and Joe's, talking to me um, to create a plan to get some support and help. And just some super some further ideas and thoughts. When the time is right, find a space to steer the conversation to their passion, stuff like they like doing and what they're good at. And that's a really good point at the end of the um, conversation, to bring it into a lighter mode to try and lift the heaviness. Continue to check in and encourage them. If you make the conversation, don't leave it just at that conversation, even if they blow you off. Come back to them again a bit later on and see how they're going. Offer to help them offer to help get them connected with the right support. Someone who has the wisdom and experience in dealing with the issues they're facing. So we're talking about counsellors, um, leadership within the church. Um, and maybe you might have a friend that's got a bit more um, skill than you. If they are avoiding you or turning down your help. You can give them a bit more space, but don't give up on them or lose contact. If a situation is looking serious, turn to someone you or your friend trusts. So look for help, look for support, and reach in and um, continue at it, because it is quite hard. So let's be straightforward. Don't beat around the bush. 
if you're concerned about someone, say something. Don't let it go by. Don't let your fear stop you. It's important that we say something when we see it. Suicide. Disclosure of suicidal thoughts. Asking that question. Practice this. Asking that question. What words would you use? What words would you use to ask someone, hey, I'm really concerned about you. Are you thinking about committing suicide? Does it ever get that bad that you have considered taking your own life? Have you thought about harming yourself? We usually would just break and give you a chance to um, talk to someone else, but I'll give you about 30 seconds just to think quietly. And when you're on your drive home, revisit this idea. Talk to your spouse, talk to your friends, your flatmates. Um, go, how would we talk about this with someone? So yeah, take this question home with you. Oh. Right. Back over to Neville. I just want eight volunteers out the front here, please. Nice and quick. Go, go, go. Yep. Yeah, quick, one, two, great, three, four, four more, let's go. Come on, it's not hard, I'm not going to hit you with this. Um, right. Yeah, two, we need two more. Two more, come on, anybody? Yep, one more, one more person, quick. There we go, right. Can I get four of you, oh, can I get four of you to line up there and four of you to line up here? Or do we still need one more person? One, two, one more person. Oh, yeah, here we go. We've got one. Right. Stand so they're standing opposite another person. That's all right. Cool. Come in close together. Now, all I want you to do is just hold out one finger like that. Come in close so that your fingers are close. Okay. Stand in close so that everybody can touch the tube underneath it. Yep. Oh, all right. Now... Very simple game, really easy to do. All I have to do is that everybody's finger has to stay touching the pipe and then they just have to lower it down to the ground, okay? But everyone's finger has to stay attached to the pipe. How many people think they can do this? Okay. Oh, no, that's all right. Yeah, well, I'll see. All right. All right, so you've got to keep your finger on there. I'm going to be watching to make sure they are. Okay, so away you go. Okay, down you go. Down, down, that's it. No. Keep your fingers on there. Oh, oh, no, Lois. Come on, keep those fingers on there. Hang on, it's going up. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, thank you, folks. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Not such an easy game, is it? The interesting thing is, is that to actually be able to do that game properly... You actually have to learn how to look at the other people in the game. It's not about focusing on your own finger. It's about focusing on the other people around you. 
because as soon as you focus around on people around you and you can be there, and the trick is if you all just start having a chat and a conversation and not even thinking about the fact that you're about to bend down, you can just keep talking and everything and all that sort of stuff and you can put the stick on the ground. So sometimes we become too focused on the stick. Okay? It's not about always being completely focused on the issue. It's actually about being a team together around there and each of us doing our own little piece so that we can get the stick to the ground. You see, if one person just went down on their own, their finger's just going to leave it because everyone else is left standing up there. So this is a whole community thing that we have to do together when we're addressing suicidal thoughts and our mental health. So we need to work in tandem, together, focused on one another so that we can actually bring this to a completion. So that way you can talk together, you can laugh together, you can be focused together and you can achieve the goals that we want to do and help those that need the help that we want to give them. So it's about keeping people safe. Really, they're asking you to help them to actually avoid the dangers that are in front of them. Can you help them think about what they need to do? What is it that they need to do? What do they need to achieve? How do they get out of this place where they find themselves? There's a few do's and don'ts if you're really worried about your friend or your family member. Someone's come to you and they had a bit of a conversation and then they've kind of shut off and those sorts of things. Strangely enough, one of the things that we so often do, if it seems like the person's not totally taking it seriously, even though they've shared with us, is that we can often get angry with the person, and that's not going to help them at all. And of course, the other big thing is like the nail in the head, we very quickly want to try and solve the problem, and sometimes, and more often than not, they don't want you to solve the problem, they just want you to listen to the problem. And don't ever promise to keep it a secret. In fact, the one good thing in New Zealand is that it's against the law to keep it a secret. Even if it's your partner and your partner tells you that they're thinking of taking their own life and you tell no one else and they do, you can actually be charged. Okay, that's how serious it is and that's how serious we should take it. Is that if someone tells you that, don't hold on to it, tell someone else. You can't keep that secret. Okay? Even if they appear reluctant to go and get help, you might need to go and talk to someone else and ask their advice about what you should do to help them. Always say to them that you're so glad that they've taken the time to stop and talk to you. And do you realise that if you're struggling in this area and you go and see your GP, you actually qualify for five free counselling sessions? Now, the downside of that is in New Zealand at the moment, well, if you live in Auckland where I do, the earliest you're likely to get in to see your counsellor is in 18 months. So, that's where we come in. You would not believe the number of retired counsellors I meet in all the churches that I go to. Now, where I come from, if you're following Jesus, you actually never retire. So you might retire from doing your job that makes you money, but if you've got all those skills and there's a shortage of people to counsel people 
and you've got people in your own community that are struggling, instead of letting them wait 18 months, maybe you actually put your big boy pants on and pull them up and go, hey, I could meet with someone. Just think what a difference we might be able to make. What are you really afraid of? Are you more afraid of what they might think if you actually ask them and they're not thinking about committing suicide? Man, I'd rather that someone asked me and I went, oh, oh no, oh, oh no, 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 I'm just, I'm just going through a rough patch. But that's so cool because I know that my friend has seen all the changes and made a difference. Because we want to be that community that creates that wall. Now, these are some of the things that you should have in your phone. Now, the most classic one that you can use nowadays is 1737. You can either text it or call it, and they will help you make a plan. If you're the person that's struggling with suicidal thoughts, you can call that, and they will talk you through things. If you're worried about your friend or your family member or that sort of things, you call that. They will start to talk to you. They'll ask you where your friend is or your family member and that sort of things. They will then actually have someone on the other end who's already contacting the appropriate people who will be going to the place where your friend or loved one is. Okay? It's there. It's free. Use it. Okay? Strange thing is, every month, through the cycle of the full moon, if you ring or text 1737, you'll be on a wait list for at least 20 minutes. So our world and the way that it functions also plays on our emotions. The physical world around us affects how our emotions go up and down, so we need to keep our eyes open on everyone. If you want to, you can go online and the Mental Health Foundation has all of these amazing resources that you can get hold of and they cost you absolutely Nothing. It's all free. They'll either send it to you or they'll get, send you a PDF or whatever that you can print off yourself. And it's got all the stuff in there to what to do in a crisis. And if all else fails, dial 111 and get the police to turn up. They won't take your friend away in handcuffs and all those sorts of things. They'll try and get them the help that they need. So, quickly say to the person beside you, what did you hear today? All right, continue those conversations later on. So we just want you to remember that acronym, TALK, which strangely enough is what we need to do. We need to learn to talk. We need to talk, we need to ask, we need to listen, and we need to find ways to keep people safe. And some of the ways that we can help keep people safe is to actually find ways to get people to the counselling and the resources that they need so that they don't get to the point of you having to ask them that hard question. So it's about creating the right environment for them to tell you, using the right questions to open them up and let them be as honest as they can be, for you to listen in the right way, and for us to find the right help. So, are you willing, as the saying goes, to walk the talk for each other? We live in a country where there's this most amazing mental health uh, thing that's been te whare tapawha, and it shows you how all the different things are linked together. 
And so part of it is the spiritual side of things. So what are we doing here in this church that's helping people's spiritual life to grow and to be in a strong place? What are we doing to help their mental and emotional side of things? What are we doing in this church to help the people within our community with their family and their social connections? What are we doing in here to help people with their physical side of stuff? And the interesting thing is, is that one of the things that people who have suicidal ideation talk about is they feel like they don't have a place to belong. The whenua, the land, the place to stand. Is this church a place for them to stand? Now, if you have teenagers in particular, www.spark.org.nz, um, go check that out, get together with your teenagers, there's um, an app that they can download on their phone and it is incredibly helpful. It's almost, it's a space where they can go and they can actually share their emotions and their thoughts and their feelings and it will be um, one of the best resources you could ever get them to download on their phones. And I've even had a few parents that have downloaded it and used them for themselves. So check it out. We haven't got time to go through it today. So remember, the two key reasons for people to even get into this place is because they feel this loss of hope, which should never happen in a church, and a loss of social connection, which should never happen in a church. We want to be this community that responds to mental health and suicide as a community get people to the people that have the expertise and be there to support them through it. If you said that you knew all of this already today, I haven't taught you anything new, my question to you is, are you using it? It's one thing to know something, it's another thing to put it into practice. So notice, ask, listen, and help. We can all practice that. Oh, we'll skip Fredo. <clears throat> yeah, so, we're just going to finish off with this verse um, real quick. Neville, did you bring the QR codes down? They're in the car. All right. Yeah. Um, we've got some QR codes with some resources for you guys to scan. Um, and if you miss it, I'll give all the information to Craig anyway, who can blast it out in an email or John. Um, but just this final verse as we uh, finish for the day the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives and release the darkness and release from darkness for the prisoners Lord just as we finish now um we pray this upon ourselves um, that we might go out as a strong community, knit together, standing in union to um, fight the fight and to um, be the wall that is needed. We ask this all in your mighty and precious name. Amen.